Namaskar and welcome to NFL Masala. I'm your co-host, Anand. And I'm your other co-host, Rakshak. Welcome to the 19th episode of NFL Masala, where we talk about all the latest happenings in the NFL with a little bit of spice. So today, we are going to do a preview of the third week of the NFL regular season. And before we do that, we'll just uh, display some Dhamakadar news. Uh, so first off, after that Cardinals-Raiders game, what do you think would have happened, Rakshak? I would say, um, you know, fans will ask for autographs and the winning team will, of course, sign them. And, of, and of course, there'll be a little bit of um, beefs that will be squashed on the field, mm -hmm. shake hands, exchange jerseys. They all go about their separate ways. No controversy ever happened. Exactly. That's 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 what's supposed to happen, right? You even if players are celebrating with their fans, you know, it's supposed to be a little bit cordial and uh, you know, leave without controversy. But guess what happened? After Byron Murphy uh returned that fumble for a touchdown, the Cardinals players came running down towards the locker rooms and they were high-fiving all the Cardinals fans. Some Raiders fan came out and like squeezed his way to the front of the little uh, area that was there for um, meeting with the fans. And he swiped Kyler Murray's face. He almost, it seemed like he was looking to go for a high five, but it ended up into being a slap across Kyler Murray's face. And Ooh. Kyler Murray looks shocked. He, was stunned and he went back and he tried to fight that Raiders fan. But there were people, especially Cardinals fans and Cardinals players, trying to pull him back. And that was a huge controversy so far. Um, and so, like, that happened a couple of days ago. And then just today, Kyler Murray was saying, you know, Stuff happens fast. I don't know. I know every person I've hit in the face. I did it for a reason. I don't know if he, referring to the Raiders fan, probably didn't know where he was. It was a pretty live game. Vegas is Vegas. I'm sure he was having fun, but I don't know. I don't think any player should be getting touched in that matter. But yeah. no hard feelings toward the guy. If I see him, I'll shake his hand. It is what it is. Dang, I have to give some. I I have to um, say like, well done, Kyler, you got class. But um, th but this kind of stuff on us like really worries me because the last time, like, regardless of any sport, the last time we saw like fans getting into it with the opposing players, it brings up one unfortunate incident in um, and this is basketball. It's called Malice at the Palace. Um, you may have heard, um, for those that may not hear about it, I recommend it. It's on Netflix called Look for the Netflix Untold Series, The Mouse at the Palace. Um, it's, it's about this Pacers Pistons brawl in which, um, in which like Ron Artest and, um, from the Pacers got into a fight with one of the Piston players. And then as they were like trying to figure it out, a fan from the stands chucks a beer at Artest and Artest goes in the stands and fights the fans. Like it was so bad, and it, and it was televised, and the, that's the last thing we want to see. That, but um, credit yeah. to Kyler Murray for like being um, 
Yeah, for for like restraining him for like being restrained and like not doing anything crazy like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. and and there was a slow motion video released uh, where there was a sideline reporter Good who moment. was um, capturing this entire thing, and somebody released a slow mo video of that on Twitter. And you can see initially, it seems like the fan is trying to go for a high five, but after Kyler Murray's reaction, right, the fan seems to be yelling at Kyler Murray, and um, so it really, it really paints the Raiders fan as a, a guy with malicious intent instead of somebody who was just trying to go in for a high five and it just went awry. Um, but yeah, that was the. Uh, that was an interesting thing to happen. I mean, I've watched that slow mo video a couple of times, and you can see like where it went wrong. Um, and yeah, I encourage anybody else to uh, watch the slow mo video. You, you can just search this up. You just search up like Kyler Murray slap, and you'll find some articles about um, uh, w w with this Twitter video posted. So yeah, yeah. that Great. was that. Um, what what else, Rakshak? Yes, and before I get on with my breaking news, I actually want to give a shout out to um, my my younger brother, Sudarshan Iyengar. I know you're a Cowboys fan. I just want to wish you happy birthday from an older brother to a younger brother. Turning 26 is definitely a big stage up. So happy birthday, my man. Have an awesome rest of the day. Happy birthday to him. Uh, just one question. Yes. How do you live with a younger brother being a Cowboys fan? Hey, I'm like the only Eagles fan in the entire fan in my entire family, man. I've Are survived. you really? Oh no! I I've survived. I've survived the. I've survived it all, man. The ringless jokes, but you know what? It's all fun, and, mm. and I mean, it's all fun in games. And right, games, right. It's all family. It's all family. That's all. true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But um, already, yeah. Yeah. Go so ahead. Anyways, um, this is actually breaking news, which was like just today. Um, as I was actually trying to f fill out some notes, um, the Baltimore Ravens signed um, and Jason Pierre-Paul um, agreed to a one-year contract today. Um, someone, a source told Adam Schefter, and this will help out the Ravens thinned out edge rushers. And if you saw the collapse in Baltimore against the Miami Dolphins blowing this 28-7 lead, um, and... And with that, like the Ravens were like down to two outside linebackers, Odafe Owe and Justin Houston on their fifty man uh, under fifty three man roster because um during, because um we found out that Stephen Means, who was one of the Ravens linebackers that had to be um, taken out of the game, he suffered a right Achilles injury and he was placed on IR on Monday. So they placed and and so far like the Ravens have had so many setbacks. They had to place two other outside linebackers, Vince, Vince Beagle, and Dalen Hayes, and Dylan Hayes, and uh, and on, and tragically they lost Jalen Ferguson, who died back in June, and um and and their other starting outside linebacker, Tyus Tyus Bowser, um who was a starting outside linebacker last year, he's on the pup list, physically unable to perform list, and he could return in a couple of weeks, and that Ravens pass rush. Good lord, they saw, they struggled um in that loss. And so far, like in the season in two games, Baltimore has only forced has only four sacks. 
I think with Jason Pierre-Paul, this addition really helps because um, because um, what Jason Pierre-Paul, although he's like 33 years old and he had like 2.5 sacks in his fourth and final season with Tampa Bay, he gives he um, he definitely adds more of that pass rush ability for the Ravens, so that their cornerbacks, so that their defensive backs and their linebackers can actually get some help. But um, when he's healthy. He um he he was part of the key role in the Bucks championship run um 9.5 sacks in the regular season and two in the championship game and um three and of course getting a three-time pro bowler player who can who can play like some meaningful snaps and generate some pressure and help your defense for a bit definitely good I definitely can see some upside but what but he could be uh, he's recovering from like some in some he's recovering from some surgeries so Alrighty. Um, yeah, the injury bug has hit the Ravens yet again this year. And I really hope and uh, hope that all these players can get back healthy because the Ravens need help on defense. For sure. They, I, I think they're cursed. Yeah, I think they're for cursed. sure. For sure. Alrighty. So that concludes the Demarcada news segment. And now we are going to go into our week three matchups. First off. Packers versus Bucks. Yay. Just the match that I want to do a preview of. Huh. Why? Why do we have to face the Bucks so early in the season? Why can we not face them towards the later of the season, where latter half of the season, excuse me, where we are more accustomed, we have a more functioning offense, our defense has been experienced. And you know is is mature enough to not make that many mistakes. It's um, it's not fun. So the keys to victory on the offensive side, we need to keep Aaron Rodgers clean as much as possible. We have to fix the O line situation. It's it's not sane for us to rely on um several backups regarding like when when we're facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line and their linebackers like it's a dangerous front and we cannot just rely on um Royce Newman and you know all of our other backups to keep making plays and keep uh keep keep that 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 helping to keep Aaron Rodgers upright. We have to devise a scheme that'll get the ball out of his hands quickly. It'll help the offensive line because they don't have to protect him for a long time. Aaron Rodgers can move around, make sure that you have plays designed where he can move around. Um, and also don't rely on the run game as much as we really do, as much as we usually do because it is typically bad. Uh, against the Bucks because the Bucks have like probably the best run defense in the league. So we cannot rely on the run game as much to generate our passing game. We have to create pass plays. We have to involve the rookies, um, use them in mismatching situations, try and bring some of those concepts from like the Mike McCarthy era where you're relying on mismatches on your uh from your playmakers yeah 
These guys are young. These guys are inexperienced. But the only way we try and defeat the Bucks is if we make more plays than they do. Because running game, if we just try and play the Bucks like we did with the Bears, we're not going to get anywhere because they have the best run defense in the league. They have strong linebackers who are, you know, who have sideline to sideline coverage. And their safety is pretty, uh, like their secondary is pretty underrated. And so, you know, let's try and rely more on a short passing game. Try to throw more screens. Try to throw more, uh, um, more passes in the flats, more slants, anything to keep the linebackers busy and guessing, you know? Um, but also don't be afraid of taking in the deep shots because we want to keep them guessing, right? And so we should rely on a short, quick passing game, something that, you know, Tom Brady used to do for the Patriots, you know, long time back. That's what he became famous for, right? Checkdowns. Oh, yeah. That was very right? annoying. Exactly. But it worked because he got the ball out of his hands quickly mm-hmm. and it kept him clean. So we have to do the same thing. But we also cannot be so conservative where we don't take chances because the second while uh, the secondary of the Bucks, while underrated, is not the greatest thing. It's not their strength. Their strength is the D-line. So if we try and take some deep shots on, you know, blitzing situations when 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 the when Tampa Bay is blitzing or when we're around like the midfield area we have like a first uh first and 10 just take a deep shot okay like don't be afraid to be so conservative where you're just relying on the short quick passing game for you to be successful we need to take deep shots use uh Christian Watson and use Romeo Dubs that's pretty much it from the offensive side. Keep Aaron Rodgers. Like how we failed against the Bucks have been uh, because we couldn't keep Aaron Rodgers upright. We, we relied too much on the run game to develop our passing game. And, you know, we didn't use our playmakers enough. So let's try and have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon out in space as receivers. Try and use tight end screens with Bob Tunyon. Try and use Christian Watson for the deep routes. Try and use Romeo Dubs and Sammy Watkins um, in the short passing game. Randall Cobb. I feel like this is what we're going to do. Um, And I really hope that this is what we do because that's probably the best shot that we have at defeating the Bucs is... We have to get the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands and help the O-line in terms of protecting him. So, now, on to the defensive side. Sorry. On to the defensive side. Please, for the love of God, pressure Tom Brady. I don't care if you have to blitz on every play please i want tom brady to have a 10 passer rating and 50 sacks okay Mm. i need his face in the ground okay i want him screaming and breaking (laughs) 10 microsoft surface tablets every single drive okay 
there has to be a shortage of Microsoft Surface tablets in Tampa Bay. That's what I need to happen. Wow. <laughs> Man, who made you upset? <laughs> Tom Brady did. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> fair um, enough. <laughs> yeah, and and we're at an advantage because their O-line and their receiving core is depleted. So it is their distinct disadvantage at this point. We have to we have to have pressure from the D-line so much so that it cannot be Kenny Clark just creating the disruption. We have to, as I mentioned before in our recap episode, we have to make sure that there are other D-linemen who are putting that pressure instead of just Kenny Clark. Right, Jerron Reed, Devontae Wyatt, uh, TJ Slayton, Dean Larry. This is the game where you guys shine. Okay, this is the game where you say, Hey, I got you, Kenny. You don't need to be the hero every time. We can do it. Okay, this will also allow Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary to have more one on one chances and easier situations to attack Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not escaping the pocket. Okay, he, he he's not Lamar Jackson. He's forty-two year old Tom Brady. Keep him in the pocket, and he's going to suffocate. Like make him suffocate. That's what we have to do. We have to have our D line disrupting Tom Brady with every single on every single play. We also need linebackers. We need to have at least two linebackers. Um, there. We need to have Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell on the field at all times because if we don't, then our running game is going to be terrible. It's Our run defense is going to be terrible. Uh, so we cannot let Lenny Fournette go out for like 150 yards and four touchdowns. Okay? That cannot happen. And also... Please don't play soft zone coverage, right? Don't give Tom Brady the time to throw. He needs to be uncomfortable. Okay, I want you pressing the wide receivers. I want Jair Alexander in the wide receivers' faces. I want them to disrupt them at the line of scrimmage. Attack them, okay? Don't just rely on the D-line getting enough pressure, okay? The secondary has to make their make pressure of their own. And this also comes down to Joe Barry. I don't want to see Preston Smith outside covering the uh, slot wide receiver. Okay. I don't want, I don't want Preston Smith in the Z coverage mode. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. I want Preston Smith or Sean Gary, Kenny Clark, and either one of our interior pass rushers rushing Tom Brady every single time, okay, and use blitzes. Now, the key injuries, right, for this, and this is going to come up later, but there are a couple of key injuries for the Bucks. okay? In this uh, practice session, both Godwins and Jones were listed as questionable. So that was just questionable. They haven't been ruled out, so we'll see until Sunday. but. If either Godwin or Jones plays, that's their number one receiver, right? Because Mike Evans has been suspended, okay? So if either Godwin or Jones plays, please put Ja Money on them, 
I want Ja Money sticking to either Godwin or Jones like Darius Slay was sticking to Justin Jefferson. Okay? Please, if you want, watch the Eagles and Vikings tape. I want the Packers defense to behave like the Eagles defense against the Vikings. Pressure Tom Brady, suffocate the wide receivers, do not allow to have, do not get that. Do not allow Tom Brady to have all the time in the world, okay? And do okay. not allow the run game. Okay, I agree with you on those parts, but I mean, but here's the problem. We have a defensive coordinator in Jonathan Gannon who is basically a wild card, and sometimes he'll do the complete no, I'm not opposite. saying like, <laughs> no, 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 but like I'm just you talking get, about like Cousins, game. Yeah. I, I do get yeah, what you that's mean. that's true, but like the Vikings offensive personnel is actually pretty good. Right? You have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, probably one of the best tandems, wide receiving tandems in the league, right? Top ten wide receiving tandems in the league. And you have Dalvin Cook, who's a top ten running back in the league. So like they have the offensive playmakers um to succeed. Obviously, Kirk Cousins is not Tom Brady. Tom Brady is Tom Brady, so he's going to figure something out. But before the time he figures something out, we want to pressure Tom Brady so much so that it takes him until the end of the fourth quarter for him to figure like, oh, okay, this is how I'm supposed to play. And by that time, the game's already over because we'll be up by like 14 points. So, yeah, I want that to happen. Put John Money on them. Okay, I want I want Jamani to suffocate. I want Jamani to get like three interceptions. I want Tom Brady pressured. I want Tom Brady pressured. Say it with a chest right now, man. What did they? I do? want pressure, pressure, pressure. Alrighty, uh, that's pretty much it in terms of the keys to victories for the Packers. In terms of injuries. For the latest news, like I mentioned before, Mike Evans has been suspended. And he's been ejected for this game. And you know what some people have said, Rakshak? Some people, What's going on with that? Some people are saying that the Packers conspired to get rid of Mike Evans. <laughs> what? Yeah. I will pull up that article, okay? What is Green that? Bay Packers John Runyon Jr. shoots down conspiracy theories about his dad issuing a Tampa Bay Buccaneers like Tampa Bay Buccaneers Mike Evans suspicion uh bleh, suspension. What? What in the world? Is this because, like another... because it was John Runyon Jr.'s father? Yeah, who John handed down. Yeah, who handed down the one game suspension to Mike Evans. Ah. So <laughs> what? That's why? I didn't, I didn't that's know why. Runyon had like a I did not know like the, the John Runyon, the Eagles legend uh offensive yeah. tackle made that it had like some higher up in the NFL. Huh, yeah, he he is the NFL's vice president of rules and policy administration. Him, yeah. Okay. So, okay. yeah, that's that's why um there was that conspiracy theory. But 
this is it's it's almost as if the Floridian Heat has gotten the best of Bucks fans. Okay, it's like they need to be presented in the next episode of Florida Man. <laughs> For them to um, come up with this outlandish uh, accusation that we're somehow behind Mike Evans's suspension. Like, come on. That was such a... Re <laughs> if you were to watch the video, that's such a reactionary thing that happened in the moment. What that's gonna be? That's like that's like something that you can compare with, like of course, like this, like as of like what's happening with the great with the great state of Florida. We have the Mike Evans conspiracy theory, and then and then, then of course the Mar-a-Lago raid. What next oh is my gonna god. happen? <laughs> oh my god! Yep, yep, yeah. Anyways, that's the that's the Mike Evans news. He was suspended for this game, so at least we don't have to deal with him. Uh, Rashad Perriman, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, Julio Jones, Leonard Fournette were all listed as questionable. They were all listed as questionable and had limited practice time on uh, today. And Akeem Hicks is out for four weeks and Giovanni Bernard is on IR. So this means... That and obviously this is coming after Donovan Smith, their uh, st uh, star right tackle, veteran right tackle, going down with an injury. So this all illustrates the fact that the Bucks are reeling from injuries and misfortunes, and we have to take advantage because if we cannot take advantage of an injury-riddled, disadvantaged Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we're never going to win anything. We're not going to make the playoffs. We're not going to win a playoff game. And we're going to have Aaron Rodgers retire. That's what's going to happen. Yes, I know. It's outlandish and it's overreactionary, but whatever. It's me. That is true. Um, you got to prepare for the worst. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of prepare for the worst, that's exactly my prediction. The Bucks win in route 35-10. to 10. We simply don't have the offensive capabilities to to attack that Bucks defense. And we're just not ready and mature yet, which is why I had mentioned in my opening statement why we couldn't get the Bucks later in the year when we're ready, when our offense has, you know, experienced its growing pains and are and have evolved to include and uh, let uh, Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs shine. But now we have them week three. We're not going to be ready. Our defense is going to be tired when the offense repeatedly fails, and we're going to give up a ton of points and a ton of yards, specifically to Leonard Fournette on the ground. Tom Brady is probably not going to have as good of a game, but as usual, Tom Brady doesn't need to be Tom Brady to win games. He's going to have all the players around him, and he's going to have the best defense to get him across the line. And so that is my prediction. It's going to be a sad week. I'm probably not going to show up for the recap episode next week. So oh, you may man. have to put out an APB on me. I don't know, man. Well, Alrighty. <laughs> on to your Eagles. Yes. Yeah, so definitely, um, it was, it, it, we were, we, I think like, 
um, Eagles and Packers fans were, were rejoicing on Monday after we watched the Eagles systematically put a beat down on the Minnesota Vikings. But it was on a Monday. And guess what this leads up to? Welcome to Wentz Week. You see what I did there? It's Wentz Week. And guess who we're playing? Carson Wentz. Yep. This is, well, and the first round of the NFC East battle has begun. Or as many people like to call it the NFC least because there's not been any repeat champ NFC East champion since 2004. And that was the Eagles who did that, by the way. And it's going to be a very weird and interesting game. because, And of course, because the Philadelphia Eagles... Um, again, facing the Washington Commanders, but but I really wanted this game to be at played at Lincoln Financial Field, and it, just imagine on like Carson Wentz coming into enemy territory and getting booed out of the stadium, like yeah, it yep. it would be so horrible, like really shaken. But guess what? He's actually going to Philly. The game will be played at Philly 2.0, aka FedEx Field, because Eagles are the best fans that know how to travel. They're probably going to take over FedEx Field, but then again, I recommend they watch out for the stadium infrastructure, and I pray to God that they fix it all up. Because seriously, last time the Eagles Eagles played at that stadium, the rail the 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 rail line collapsed and nearly um, ended Jalen Hurts' um, season. And 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 uh, and on the side news, four Eagles fans that were trapped in that they are suing the Washington Football. Uh, they were they're suing the Washington or, um, Commanders organization for that FedEx field collapse, and there's been like no update on that. But definitely, that's not surprising. But long story. But here, are, but here is something that we need to know. Like about Carson Wentz, we all remember in the 2016 draft that the Eagles traded up, traded up in the in the 2016 draft, set um, in the second pick of the first round, and sent. And he had like a mix of playing playing years uh, in his all four years in Philadelphia. Um, definitely 2017 to 2018, he had that MVP caliber type of season before he suffered that ACL tear. And watching Nick Foles, his his backup, lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl again and winning that and winning it. But since then, he's been looking really shaky. And and in 2020. We all remember the year when Jalen Rager got freaking drafted over Justin Jefferson. Both of them are now in Minnesota. And the Eagles selected Jalen Hurts in the second round. And since then, um, Carson Wentz was, bet was traded to Indianapolis last year. And, and, and although he tried to will that, he and unfortunately, he didn't do what he was promised to do, lead the Colts to the playoffs. And instead... He, he's now traded over to the Washington Commanders, guess, and which will now be a reunion game. Uh, recently in this press conference, he called the Eagles game another game, quote-unquote. But then again, emotions are going to be very different because he's facing former teammates, and Jalen Hurts is going to be facing, um, facing Carson Wentz, and it's going to be one interesting matchup. So with that being said, here are my keys to victories for the offense. If you saw the way Jalen Hurts played against the Minnesota Vikings in that in the soft cover type of defense, what what Hurts needs to do, you need to carry out that performance that he pulled off against Minnesota 
I mean, continuing with the distribution of wide receivers and distribution distributing passes between wide receivers and tight ends. And of course, if you see busted coverage, target the long bombs if needed. And I can definitely see the Eagle. And if I were to like match up the Eagles and the commanders, um, the depth charts, I would be more confident in the Eagles wide in the Eagles on wide receiver and tight end options compared to the commanders. I mean, definitely with AJ Brown, who who like has 224 total yards in two games, like he's I think he's about to break off another thousand thousand yard season, man. Like that guy's a freaking monster. So happy that the Eagles got him. But then also target the long target like those long 10 10 yards pat. 10 plus yards passing and um and i remember seeing this according to pff um recently out of the highest passer ratings on 10 plus yard throws jalen hurts ranks third behind just behind the number one justin herbert and patrick mahomes his um his passer rating is 132.3 and he's ahead of josh allen with 131.3 if um, but then again, these were all based on like um, busted coverages, and if the Eagles can can capitalize on that, I mean, go for it, Jalen Hurts, go for it. I would not be surprised if they do that. And then, and also, one stat that the Eagles should know: the Commanders have ranked twenty seventh in yards and points allowed, and no team has allowed like forty plus yards, like which was like four types of drives throughout the first two games. And one thing to notice is that their defense. Which which has like the guys of like Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, Cole Holcomb, and Javon Davis, even like Kendall, even a Kendall Fuller and um, William Jackson and Bobby Jackson three and Bobby McLean, Bobby McCain, like they're they're good in moments and spurts, but there's no consistency. Anand, do you know that the Washington Commanders allow an NFL worst eight point four yards on first down? Really, so much yeah. for that elite defense. Oh yeah, Ron. Oh, Jack Del Rio and, and Ron Rivera. Uh, like, I don't know about those guys, but anyway, if I'm the Eagles, what wh what's the one thing that was our strengths? Attack with the run game. Basically, I would uh, uh, like if you want to be more specific, I would attack the center and expose those linebackers, especially with um their combination of Holcomb, Davis, and Mayo. If you watch the highlights of the the Detroit Lions Washington Commanders game, you saw that uh, um, you could see that the middle of the field was wide open for the Lions to take advantage of. You saw DeAndre Swift, Amon Ross, St. Brown, even Jamal Williams and DJ Chark and TJ Hawkinson. They're tied in, and Jared Goff was making money throws against that type of defense. The the like that center side was so it was like completely exposed and like the linebackers had to play like a lot of coverage instead of like going towards their strengths and with that i would say combined with more straight runs i can definitely see miles sanders and boston scott getting more involved and maybe some qb sneaks with jalen hurts if he wants to roll right or ro roll left and um and then again i said before i would trust aj brown and dallas goddard more than more than facing up against um, the likes of Kendall Fuller, Cameron Cole, Bobby McCain, William Jackson. I mean, Anand, if you were to draft, if you had to choose between the Eagles wide receivers and the and, and the Washington de defensive backs, I mean, you would take the Eagles wide receivers hands down. Easy. Easy. And, and of course, I said before, run, run, run. The commanders 
allow 7.5 yards per rush, which is the worst in the NFL. And I believe this is according to ESPN. So what did I say before? Attack with Miles Sanders and Boston Scotts. And one more thing for the Eagles. If they want to do really well, for the love of God, please stop beating yourself with penalties. Like, this is not just an offensive type, but this is for the entire team. You are currently ranked the top two in the top two this season with 18 penalties. Like, dear God, stop it. <sighs> I, I need a shoulder to cry on if I see more penalties, man. I may need to drag you from that. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. And now on to defense. And um, oh my God, like that type of defensive performance that I saw with Jonathan Gannon mixing up those blitzes against a guy like Kirk against Monday night Kirk Cousins <laughs> and that Minnesota wide receiver tandem of Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Yes, maybe even KJ Osborne. A couple of things that we need to be well aware of. Wentz has been completely weak and in the in the pocket presence. And um, Eagles, Eagles, we uh, as Eagles fans, we have seen that a lot ever since he recovered from that torn ACL and some of his injuries. And but one thing, his stats in print like so far have been pretty good. Did you know that he's that he has a sixty-five percent um, completion rate, six fifty yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions? No, I didn't. Yeah, it's been pretty good, but. But apparently his interception rate, which is like 3.4%, it's been at the same rate in 2020 when he led the league in interceptions despite getting benched for the final four games with the Eagles. And as Eagles fans, we have seen a place in which Carson Wentz makes, and it's basically we like to call it the what the hell was that moment. And and if, and if we want to see more of that, we gotta, the Eagles have to force more pressure. And what Jonathan Gannon did beautifully, he was able to do a lot of more mix of coverage and zone blitzes. If he can continue that against the, against the command against that commander's offense, this should be an easy task for the corners. And for the love of God, Hassan Reddick should not be not be playing be playing coverage. He cannot guard the likes of like Justin like Justin Jefferson like what we saw last game. He cannot do that. Play to his strengths, like what Josh Sweat was doing. Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick should be attacking as edge rushers. And and I and one thing I'd also like to see, uh, like the for the Eagles defense to continue what they did with the Vikings, more five man fronts. And um, surprisingly, um, one thing I forgot to mention in the in the in that recap of the Eagles Vikings game is that some of those plays in the five man of those five-man fronts in which Jordan Davis um, was not on the field, they were able to get pressure on Kirk Cousins. I mean, hell, if that works, put continue the, continue that same thing. Put in more pressure. And, and like the... <coughs> Excuse me. And because um, one thing that we always seen Carson Wentz do when he was with the Eagles is that... One time, it's like once he avoids like an edge rusher or an edge rusher runs by him, he believes that that player is no longer exists and he won't continue to keep on trying to get after him. He did it through over with 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 Philadelphia, carried it over to Indian Washington, and and I think like and with that, Reddick and Sweat needs to be needs to um they need to be more involved, and and one thing which is really big is that commander's interior offensive line. 
Anand, did you know in week one they had like a set of like pro like um they you know like how you have like you start like your offensive line you have like your first five starters right all all pros all mm -hmm. healthy right as of now we have seen two big changes they they um they they're really shaky in their center and they brought up a practice squad member no they brought up a practice squad call up to to play center and a right guard backup and 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 their be and like literally their best lineup their best um their best player on o-line who is like chase rulier and chase rulier um not sure if i'm pronouncing that right he's now on ir and and honestly we could see like the interior defensive line like with uh for the eagles with marvin tweepolotu and javon hargrave if they can if they can generate more pressures wentz is going to throw more picks for those corners and speaking of corners this is the last and of course bring in the pressure keep on dialing those blitzes and disguise those coverages and last but not least the secondary balled out last week if you saw what darius lay did to justin jefferson sealing the man they have to do the same thing with this with this um with this tandem of terry mclaurin curtis samuel and jahan dotson jahan dotson that rookie from penn state who we thought was a reach in the draft he's been doing pretty good so far um if you looked at his first two games he had like seven receptions 99 yards and three touchdowns and yards per catch um he's been averaging 14.1 so he's been pretty so john dotson's been is doing really good and of course terry mclaurin being their best receiver and he can also and he can not he can play more of like a i think like he and curtis mart curtis samuel can play like a debo samuel type of run um type of player in which they can both uh, be involved in some play at some kind of like special design runs and of course passing games i would still keep put darius slay on terry mclaurin have him shadowed and then james bradbury and avante maddox need to be on either curtis samuel or jahan dotson although jahan dotson has been doing really well against um against the against slot and zone corners but maddox but as long as the pressure as long as that defensive pass rush the, the the as long as the eagles defensive line keeps on pressuring carson wentz to make those silly mistakes um definitely the linebackers like in tj edwards kazir white and um and and a lot of their nickel coverages will really help them out and <coughs> excuse me and and uh, and of course we have and one thing that we have to keep an eye out is returning back from the healthy side is Logan Thomas. And don't forget the running backs, JD McKissick and um and 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 Antonio Gibson. What the Eagles need to do is completely shut down that run game, make make those commanders one-dimensional. Like how they were able to shut off Dalvin Cook. I want to see this continued. Gannon, if you're listening to this podcast, do what you did. Basically, if I were to cut and paste. Do what you did against the Vikings, but with the commanders. Disguise, I want to see a little bit more blitzes. Pressure Wentz, because if Wentz is staying healthy, is not being pressured, he can make those long, he can definitely um make those throw, make those long passes. And and those wide receivers like in McLaurin, Samuel, and Dotson will get open. So y'all, 
Ganon, I want to see more blitzing from you. You have no option. And with this being said, um, the Eagles just released, um, issued their second official injury report today. And they listed 12 players as limited, which is like over 23 of their current, 23% of their current active roster. However, luckily, most of those players were listed with rest designations. And um, because they played a Monday night game, of course, you'll have limited days to rest and prepare. And the only ones that have been with limited parts with like not rested with not listed with rest. Quez Watkins, Avante Maddox, and Hassan Reddick. Watkins, who is like one of the deep threats for the Eagles, he's been dealing with an illness, but um, he should, but that shouldn't hold him out for the game action. And uh, Maddox and Reddick will definitely be something to keep an eye on, but um, hopefully they should be able to play. And for the Commanders, we had um, they were they they practiced without rotation defensive end Casey Tools and Daniel Weiss for the second day in a row. They definitely going to be needing more of them because their star player Chase Young is going to be um, is still on the on the pup list and he'll still be missing time. And um, some of the the notable parts limited participation was linebacker Cole Holcomb and Trey and offensive guard Trey Turner quad both with suffering quad injuries. Um, they should be able to um, they should be able to return back. Um, but so far, if I were to predict this game, I think this is. Um, I, I think this is going to be one of those close games because the NFC East is very volatile and unpredictable. I am going to go on a limb and say the Eagles will win this game. And Anand, this is good. This scoreline is going to surprise you. I'm going to say 27, 24 Eagles, because I think somehow like Carson Wentz will find that momentum and bring them back. And Jonathan Gannon will play soft and Jalen Hurts will have to bail them out. But if they are able to replicate what they do against the Vikings, I can see I can honestly see them winning 35-10. So I'm saying 35-10 for the Eagles if they continue with the same with that same game plan that they pulled off against um against the Vikings, they carry that over against the Commanders. And I also see the defense um just dominate and go after Carson Wentz. Like, do not give him any rest. But if they allow him to do that. 27-24 um, Eagles, just like in the NFC East game. Okay. Well, that concludes our matchups. And now we're going to go into the game of the week segment that we each choose. And I am going to choose one right out of left field. Oh, whoa. What's going on? I am going to watch out. For the Chargers versus Jags game. That is going to be my game of the week because you know what? What? I want some chaos. I want the NFL world to be shocked as Dougie P and Trevor Lawrence and James Robinson and all of Duval County Duval. rips the Chargers to shreds. What? I want it to happen. Now, <laughs> I'm going to try and bring it a little bit into like the serious realm of reality. So I'm okay. going to keep it brief. Okay. In terms of the Chargers, for them to beat the Jags, they just don't need to be the Colts. <laughs> Simple. Uh, yeah, that's easier. Very easy. 
You know, it's not in the format where it's easier said than done. It is really that easy. Just don't be the Colts. You know, use your high-flying attack to score big early and use the scoreboard pressure to trounce the Jags. So that's what is supposed to happen. That's what's most likely going to happen. But you know what? I am going to be crazy, and I'm going to say Jags. Uh, you got to prevent the run game, which allows Herbert to be relaxed. You have to keep him pressured. And the way you do that is not through the interior, is through the tackles. Use Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker pressure the living daylights out of Justin Herbert. He's already injured in his rib cage, so, you know, he's weak. He can be attacked. And you have to have Kirk, Christian Kirk, go past 150 yards here. This has to happen, okay? So if this happens and Trevor Lawrence plays well and you have you get the running game going with James Robinson, you target that rushing defense of the Chargers, okay? You use James Robinson to run straight down their throat. You use Travis Etienne for those screens and, and those passing uh, receptions out of the backfield on those wheel routes. You use those two guys. You use Christian Kirk. You use Evan Ingram to light up the Jaguars. And Dougie P, go get that upset in L.A. Duval, let's go. Because I want chaos to reign, I am going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars in an upset win against the Chargers 21-20. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. It's going to happen. Watch out. And you have, in terms of the Chargers, you also have Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, and J.C. Jackson all questionable. So it's going to happen. Just you wait. Just you wait. And and you know what? I would not be surprised because apparently Chase, um, if Justin Herbert is still questionable and if he cannot make it, guess who his backup is? Chase Daniel. There you go. There you go. Then it becomes a shootout between Trevor Lawrence and Chase Daniel. I wonder who's going to win. Huh. I think we all know. It's sunshine. Yep. 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 Let's go, Duval. Let's go. Oh That's it from God. my side. <laughs> I That's want like chaos. I want chaos. <laughs> I think NFL Masala is a proud sponsor of chaos. <laughs> yes. Chaos Weekly. And if you want to talk about chaos, I really had a tough time picking my um my game for the week. Every I and you thought I was gonna go with um dolphins and bills. Like ladies and gentlemen, do you think we'd be that obvious going with dolphins and bills for that? Oh no, do you think I would choose yeah, that? Yeah, that's the easy way out, you know. Yeah, but here's a, here's one. We are we bring the masala to the NFL, so we have to have some hot spicy takes. And if you want a hot spicy take, you want to know what my game is? Are you ready? Are you ready? Say it. It's the NFC East matchup, Dallas versus New York Giants, Monday yes. night game. <laughs> the thriller of all thrillers. Oh, God. <laughs> this will Daniel be like... Jones versus Cooper Rush. Oh, man. Brilliance. That's like, that's like an conversation right there. <laughs> 
Yes. And MVP conversation. No, NFC championship conversation. There you go. Something the Cowboys haven't dreamed since 1995. Oh, <laughs> I haven't even started roasting them and you're like taking over it for me, man. That's, <laughs> like, that's awesome, dude. I mean, that's that's how we are. That's appreciated. This is what they do. But um, anyways, Kate, uh, and this time the Cowboys will be going to MetLife Stadium in New Jersey so th- to take on the New Jersey New York football giants. And with that, the ca- here are some keys to victory for both teams. Uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, what what um, Cooper Rush is definitely he's proven to be a good game manager when you set him up with the right pieces and the advantages. And Noah Brown has become his favorite target. If you watched, um, if you watched that game, if you watched um, Cooper Rush play against. Um, <clears throat> against the Cincinnati Bengals, in which the Bengals bungled that game because they have no O-line, even though they quote-unquote upgraded it. Um, Cooper Rush was able to, like, he was able to, like, not throw, like, any unforced errors. He was not, he was not, he didn't throw, like, any, like, ill-timed errors. And um, and what they were able to do is that, um, and one of their strengths is, and another key to victory, they got to continue on with that run game and build more with the pass. And I'm gonna say this out front: Tony Pollard should be more involved than Z- than Ezekiel Elliott. And one thing, one key note is that they run the ball nearly half of their first and ten plays. It's 11th highest rate in the NFL, but um, and the and they're also the fifth highest first half run rate in the NFL at 47. percent But still, Pollard should be over Ezekiel Elliott um, if they want to. I mean, just to start things up, just to start with like when they start with their run game. And then you build on with their with their with their favorite targets are like Dalton Schultz, C.D. Lamb, and um, and Noah Brown, and and apparently Michael Gallup, who is returning back, and yes, involves some Cavante Turpin. So I'll give you credit, Kellen Moore. Ah, I, I feel disgusted saying these things, man. Why do <laughs> I, I force can them? hear? I can hear the snark coming out of your mouth. Ah. <laughs> uh. Okay, inner peace, inner peace. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, but one thing I'll have to give credit to the Cowboys for. Yes, I'm actually giving credit on 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 a live podcast. Their defense has been playing lights out, and I'm gonna say this: Micah Parsons and I think Stephen A. Smith said this one time and on first take, and I don't blame him. Micah Parsons is going to be is like the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. When he plays on the edge, this dude is like literally a game wrecker. And he already, in his two games, he's already has four sacks. And, and if I'm the Cowboys, unleash Micah Parsons. You definitely help out your defensive backs with like Trayvon Diggs and, and yes, Her- and Anthony Barr. And even, yes, even the Wolfman, Leighton Van Der Esch. How, how, oh my God, how am I knowing those Cowboys players? Like honestly, <laughs> you have to. They're your enemy. Yeah. Oh yeah. The enemy. Yeah. Know your enemy before you play. And and but but then again, like not only the not only you unleash Micah Parsons, you also have to bring in like the guy of like Tank Demarcus Tank Lawrence and um it, and of course Anthony Barr and Leighton Vanderesh playing linebackers. 
And I don't know. And Dan Quinn has been doing a pretty decent job with that. Now, with the Giants, Saquon Barkley, um, welcome back after after some injury riddled seasons. 282 yards from scrimmage, which is like the fifth overall best. That's not too bad, not too shabby. And of course, you have like a weak offensive line. And that that is something to be very, very worried about because not only are the Giants are the Giants going to be like facing the likes of Micah Parsons. They have to deal with Tank Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, and the newcomer Dante Fowler Jr. So, but here's a quote. Dallas does not bridge frequently. They're 23rd in the NFL, but they still have the high, the ninth highest pressure rate, 36% according to PFF. And of course, Dallas is third in the NFL with eight sacks. A lot of times when they pressure the QB, Dallas is able to get turnovers. So, what so one thing that they need to do get Saquon Barkley involved a lot more, run the ball effectively, and it'll mid and it'll definitely help with protecting the ball throughout the air against a good pass rush and some good playmaking secondary players that will definitely mix up coverages and make plays on the football, aka uh, um, for knowns Trayvon Diggs, Donovan and Donovan Wilson, and um, yes, Malik Hooker and Jordan David and Jordan Lewis, and and um, and for the Giants. Please, for the love of God, protect Daniel Jones. He are, he's already been sacked eight times, lost a fumble, but you know what? He can protect the football. Yeah, I mean, 71% completion, one interception, three touchdowns. Not too bad because you're involving more with the running game. And recently, there's been a lot of news with Kenny Galladay, who has been not involved, who, who has not been involved in the last couple of games. I mean, he only saw like four snaps in the last previous game, and he made a big public comment about it and Brian Dable loved to hear it because he knows how good or how quote-unquote good Kenny Galladay can be I mean you're paying him that much with that crazy contract and one thing I'll have to give credit to for the Giants they have that ability to win ugly games if you saw that Carolina New York Giants game it was like borderline it was so horrible like there were so many turn like the Giants are able to force turnovers on special teams and um and take advantage of and take advantage with those scores so if that's how they have to play against the cowboys they got to do that and the deep and with that the defense needs to blitz more and they and especially the cowboys are really really weak on with their in their lefts and that young left side because of tyler smith coming in and with that you got to force the cowboys receivers not name cd lamb to make the plays to beat you like noah brown and Possibly a returning Michael Gallup, who's been out with an ACL tear um, since January. And I would like to see Wink Martindale, the new defensive coordinator, blitz a lot more. And, of course, stop the Cowboys on third down. Anand, did you know that the Cowboys are 27th in the NFL? With only 4.7 yards per play, they've converted at 24%, which is the worst. Really? Really? Go figure. Go figure. Go you have figure. Cooper Rush at QB. Yep. And and of course, um, with the Giants, there has been a laundry list of um of injuries, but definitely limit um for those that did not practice, some key guys like Wandale Robinson, rookie wide receiver with an knee, um, Justin Lane, defensive back with a concussion. Some of the limited that I noticed was um off uh, linebacker Aziz Ojalari, calf. And one who made a full practice today, 
We might see a Kayvon Thibodeau sighting. That will be very, very interesting to watch. And um, and Kadarius Tony hamstring. Um, I believe he's he should be able to come back. And um, and of course, Dalton Schultz is um is basically day to day, but he did not practice um, with the knee. Micah Parsons has an illness, which he'll come back. Trayvon Diggs, um, he has something personal going on, but um, for personal side, Trayvon Diggs, um, um, hope hope you feel better, man. And um, that's and and the full participation, Michael Gallup. He may be seeing um, a, he may be seeing some kind of increased load, but I don't think Mike McCarthy will do that. And also, if I if I'm the Giants, try and for and try and make the Dallas offensive line commit some stupid penalties. Especially, and did you know, like Terrence Steele, their right tackle, he has only allowed one quarterback hit and two hurried seasons, according to PFF, and he's also committed four penalties, mainly with holding. So nice. Yeah. Other than that, my prediction is going to be very, very hard because I personally want both teams to lose. Why can't I have both? <laughs> we can't have good things in life, can we? I know, I know. But honestly, with the way the Cowboys, I would trust the Cowboys defense a little bit more than with the Giants offense. And um, I have a, I, I'm going to say this on record. I think the Cowboys win. Um, 20 to 17. I said, but if the Giants are able to force turnovers, I could see it being flipped the other way because they know how to win ugly games. But I'm going to be confident with my pick. And um, yeah, Cowboys 20, Giants 17. And I have a beat the dough moment. Okay. Micah Parsons, he's going to have another, um, he's going to get up to like three or four sacks this, this game or even more. Oh, <laughs> Daniel seven. Jones, I mean, I hope I hope you could survive, my man, because Michael Parsons is one bad dude, dude. Mm -hmm. I ah uh, now I I think like after this I need to like wash my mouth with Lister. Alrighty, so that concludes our games of the week segment, and that actually concludes the episode for today. So. If you guys enjoyed it, please leave us a review at one of the four pa uh, platforms that we host the podcast on. Apple, Google, Spotify, and Pocket Casts. Or send us an email at nflmasala at gmail.com, spelled as nflmasala at gmail.com. And we're going to hit you with our signature outro. Go Pack Go! And fly, Eagles fly. Take care. And happy Thursday. Good night. Lastly, Duval. Last thing, Reckham Tech, please beat UT. <laughs> no, that ain't happening, bro. Hook I know it's not going to happen, but a man can dream, right? Like how the Cowboys can dream for a sixth Super Bowl. <laughs>